From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Wow, I am so excited for you to listen to my interview today with Marshall Goldsmith, truly one of the great thinkers of our time and a very, very popular author and speaker and truly executive level, like executive coach to CEOs, Fortune 100 CEOs. And uh, we're going to talk about self-discipline and self-control and making change in his, his newest book called Triggers. And it's very, very powerful. At the end of the show, I'm going to walk you through sort of these seven steps of self-discipline, seven systems of creating meaningful, lasting change of radical transformation in your life, uh, which is basically, you know, sort of an assimilation of things that uh, I know and have researched and write about and talk about and we look at at Southwestern Consulting. And then also a couple of the new things that I've learned really from Marshall here over the last uh, couple of weeks as I've been reading through his stuff and then the interview today, getting a chance to talk with him. So it's a great episode, very powerful. Uh, definitely one of the episodes that I think has what has everything in it that you would need to create a true transformation in your life or in the life of somebody that you know. So this may be one that you want to share, but uh, regardless, I think you're going to love it. So excited for you to tune in. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, Go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. So usually on this show, we are talking about how to overcome your circumstances. We're talking about how to rise above the things that happen to you in your life. But today we're going to talk about uh, all of the things in your circumstances that actually have a really uh, intense Uh, effect on your ability to take certain actions. And I am honored and excited to introduce to you to literally a man who has been ranked the number one thinker in the world by Thinkers 50, uh, is regularly recognized as the number one executive uh, coach in the world by, by publications like Inc. and Forbes and Harvard Business Review. And he has three New York Times bestselling books. One I'm sure many of you have probably heard of, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And what we're talking about today is his newest number one New York Times bestseller, Triggers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Marshall Goldsmith. Marshall, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. So uh, Triggers is uh, fascinating. I I want everyone to know that I personally read the book. I love it. I highly recommend it. Uh, And anybody who is interested in building self-discipline, taking action, overcoming procrastination, the things on this show, this is an instant must read for you. So um, what is a trigger, Marshall? For those those people who haven't read the book, can you just kind of give us a background on that? 
Yeah, a, a trigger is any stimulus that may impact our behavior. Uh, my general theory is almost all of us have a great plan of who we want to be in life yet we don't implement that plan very well. Day to day, we're barraged by triggers from our environment that kind of throw us off target in many cases. And that's what the book is about, how to deal with these triggers. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that you wrote early on in the book that, that really kind of hit me personally was I thought about, you said you made a statement, our environments are willpower reduction machines. Uh, exactly right. We grossly overestimate the importance of willpower and our own willpower capabilities, and we grossly underestimate our need for help. So as we journey through life, I go through uh, many, many reasons of why we don't achieve the goals that we set. And let me just give you one as an example. Um, years ago, my biggest client was Johnson & Johnson. And I'm probably one of the few speakers you've ever heard. It's gotten research from tens of thousands of people who have been to my courses. And I measure, do they do what I teach and do they achieve positive change over time? I published an article about this called Leadership is a Context Sport. So if any of your listeners would like this, send me an email, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com or go to my website and I'll send it so you can see it. 86,000 people and showed if people do the stuff, they get better. If they don't, not surprisingly, they don't change. Mm-hmm. Well, I interviewed people at Johnson & Johnson, 98% said they would do what I taught. A year later, 70% had done something and 30% zero, not even one minute. Which, by the way, I'm not ashamed of this, I'm proud of this. 70% of 2,000 people is 1,400 people getting evaluated by 10 coworkers each. That's a lot of people getting better. Well, I asked some people that did nothing, why, you did, why didn't you do anything? And their answer had to do with the dream that sounds like this. I'm incredibly busy right now. Given mm -hmm. pressures of work and home and new technology that follows me everywhere, I feel about as busy as I ever have. Sometimes I feel overcommitted. Every now and again, my life feels just a little bit out of control. But you know, I'm working on some very unique and special challenges right now. And I think the worst of this is going to be over in about four or five months. And then I'm going to take two or three weeks and get organized and spend some time with the family and begin my new healthy life program. Sure. And after that, everything's going to be different and it will not be crazy anymore right How of course had that dream yeah i mean everybody has it i mean right yeah if those of you listening to this episode right as it, right as it comes out here we are at the end of january uh and it's kind of like you know are those distant things we made called new year's resolutions and um one of the the dynamics that you bring up which i thought was interesting is inertia and i have to admit i hadn't really thought about inertia since high school um but the the, the concept is is really powerful and um i think you know what you just described this sort of overwhelm this busy is a it's it's the constant state of mind for most people. So can you talk about inertia and, and remind us kind of what that is and, and how it might also be affecting our ability to, to like w why we don't actually create change even though we say we want to? Well, you know, our default reaction in life is not to find happiness. Our default reaction in life is not to find meaning. Our default reaction in life is inertia. We tend to do what we've been doing, go where we've been going, say what we've been saying. And my book, What Got You Here, Won't Get You There, that's the premise of the book. You know, if you want to change, you can't just keep doing what you've been doing and expect to get different outcomes. 
you have to say, how can I change? And we fall into a trap that I call the superstition trap. I behave this way. I am successful. Therefore, I must be successful because I behave this way. No. Everyone I coach is ridiculously successful. They all behave the way they behave. And they're all successful because they do many things right. And in spite of doing some things that don't make any sense. Hmm. And if we can't challenge ourselves, inertia just kicks in and we just keep doing what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just one of those kind of like negative forces that's out there. We don't really realize that how, how powerful, how powerful uh, it is and, and what, uh, what, the, what the impact, I guess, is on our life. It's just, it's just kind of always, always there. Um, so, so talking about some of the strategies now to how we, we sort of, um, you know, deal with this, this environment that is sort of always working against our willpower, um, you bring up, you bring up things like, um, you know, avoidance and, and, uh, actually the wheel of change I thought was one of the most memorable things from the, from the entire book. Would you mind just kind of giving me given an explanation of the, the wheel of change and maybe we can talk through different parts of it, but also specifically the, the active questions versus passive questions. We'll start with the wheel of change, then we'll go to the active and passive. Okay. If, if you look at the concept of change, we can look at the two dimensions, positive and negative, and then the other was change or keep. And then we form four quadrants in the wheel of change, and the first quadrant is called positive change, creating And if you think about your life, it's very important to say, all right, who do I want to become in the future? And what is the positive change in my life that I do want to create? Positive change. And we don't think about that enough. Most of us spend more time planning our vacation than we do planning our lives. The second quadrant, it's called positive keep preserving. And it's very important as we look at the new me that I want to become, what is it about the old me that I want to preserve or keep? Perhaps relationships or good habits or what is it that you don't want to change? What is it you want to preserve or keep? And, you know, I have a home in New York and I see in New York many people get so busy creating, in this case particularly wealth, they forget about preserving things mm. like their health, their family. And sometimes what we need to preserve is more important than what we want to create. So both are important. Then the third part of the wheel of change is called negative change, and that's eliminating. What do you want to get rid of? What do you want to get rid of in life? And and it's very important because if we keep trying to create or preserve and we never eliminate, we run out of space. And then we're back into that problem I discussed, constant overcommitment. So Mm -hmm. we need to consistently say, if I'm going to be something different, not just what am I going to put on the plate, what am I going to take off the plate? And then the final part is uh, negative keep, which most people have trouble understanding. Why would I keep something that's negative? Well, that's called accepting. We're not going to change everything in life. And it's very important to realize, where am I not going to make a difference? Where am I not going to make an investment for change? And Peter Drucker taught me our mission in life is to make a positive difference, not to prove how smart we are, not to prove how right we are. And one of my favorite chapters in the book, before you deal with any topic, ask a question. Am I willing at this time to make the investment required to make a positive difference on this topic? The answer is yes, go for it. The answer is no, take a deep breath and let it go. So the wheel of change talks about creating. It talks about preserving. It talks about eliminating. It talks about accepting. All four are very important as we plan our journey through life. Yeah, and I think, you know, to me, 
I thought, yeah, creating, sure, right? As, you know, people, most of the people listening here are, are probably pretty proactive about getting better, self-improvement, but preserving and accepting were both two that sort of caught me off guard. And there's a part of me almost that was like, well, preserving, that it seems almost like a, a, like a mediocre behavior, but um, you're so right about the, if you take your eye off the ball with, with certain things, that preserving is, is, a, is a very worthwhile, honorable, uh, ambitious strategy. And some things even, you know, like a marriage, it, it can be, it's, it's ambitious and work to, to, to preserve a, a healthy marriage. It's, it's hard work. Um, and then even accepting some things. So that was, I don't know, that was, that was a big, that was big for me. And I like, um, so those of you again, listening, you got positive on the top, uh, negative, and then you have change and keep that's kind of the X axis. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, um, okay. So moving on to the questions, this was really interesting to me. Uh, the, I want to talk about the active versus passive and then, and then after that, I'm interested if see if you'd be willing to share with everybody what some of your daily questions are and what what daily questions are and, and why they matter. But but the you've gone through some research here on the difference between active and passive questions and how they affect our ability to actually catalyze change and overcome circumstances. So you, you mind walking us through that? Yeah, I'll start with the daily questions, and then I'll get into the specifics of active versus passive questions. Uh, okay. I'm now going to share something with your uh, listeners that takes three minutes a day, costs absolutely nothing. It's going to help them get better at almost anything. Now, some people are probably skeptical now, thinking three minutes a day costs nothing, help me get better at almost anything. Sounds too good to be true. Half the people that start doing this quit within two weeks. And they do not quit because it does not work. They quit because it does work. So I'm going to teach you now something that's very easy to understand in theory, very difficult to implement in practice, and then I'll share my own, some of my own questions. Uh, every day, of, here's your homework assignment. Get out an Excel spreadsheet. On one column, write down a series of questions that represent what's important in life, friends, family, direct reports, coworkers, uh, whatever it is, health. Every question must be answered with a yes, a no, or a number. Yes is recorded as one, no is a zero, or a number. Seven boxes across, one for every day of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Every day, fill it out. Well, at the end of the week, the Excel spreadsheet will give you a report card. I will warn your listeners in advance, the report card at the end of the week will not be quite as beautiful as a corporate values plaque that they have stuck up on a wall. When you do this every day, you quickly learn life is incredibly easy to talk. Life is incredibly difficult to live. Well, I'm going to share some of my questions and mine are not intended to be anybody else's. One of my daily questions, for example, is uh, how many times yesterday did you try to prove you were right when it wasn't worth it? I've almost never been zero my whole life. Kind of hard for that old professor not to be right all the time. How many angry or destructive comments did you make about people yesterday? How many minutes did you walk? How many push-ups? How many sit-ups? Did you say or do something nice for your wife, your son, your daughter? How many minutes did you write? My friend Jim Moore does this, and he would tell you it saved his life. It didn't kind of save his life or sort of save his life. It did save his life. One of his daily questions is, are you currently updated on your physical exam? First 90 days he did this, he said no every day. He finally said, this is embarrassing. I have to get the stupid exam or quit asking the question. I got the stupid exam. What did the doctor say? You have cancer. Now, that was many years ago. He's going to be fine. The doctor also said, had you waited seven more months, you would have been dead. He knew he should have gotten a physical exam, but he didn't do it. 
Well, when you hold a mirror in front of your face every day, it's hard to hide. You realize the source of most of my problems would be me. Well, my daughter and I, my daughter Kelly is a PhD from Yale. She's a professor of marketing at the Kellogg School. We went over this together and we were talking about the concept of employee engagement. And she said, everything about employee engagement has involved passive questions. Do you have clear goals, meaningful work? Uh, do you have a best friend at work? And she said, there's nothing wrong with passive questions. The problem is when we ask a passive question, people have a negative response. They blame the environment. She gave me the idea of asking active questions that begin with the phrase, did I do my best to? I'm now going to share my first six daily questions talk about why they're important, and then share some of the research about this we've done and invite everyone to participate if they would like to. My first six questions, did I do my best to set clear goals? Not did somebody set goals for me, did I do my best to set my own goals? Number two, did I do my best to make progress toward achieving my goals? Did I do my best to find meaning rather than did someone give me meaning? Did I do my best to be happy? Did I do my best to build positive relationships? And finally, uh, did I do my best to be fully engaged? Six basic questions every day. Well, our research on this is pretty amazing. Uh, we've done research involving thousands of people. We have them fill out these questionnaires every day for 10 days. And what we've found is about 46% of the people 10 days later say I'm better at everything. Uh, about 75% said I got better at four items out of the six. Uh, I think 94% said I got better at something. 6% said no change, and less than 1% say overall they got worse. Well, it's amazing. These questions get me to focus not on what I cannot change. They get me to focus on what I can change. What's the one question in life I can't blame on somebody else? Did I do my best? Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, if any of your listeners would like to participate, send me an email, Marshall with two L's at MarshallGoldsmith.com and write six questions, study, be happy to sign them up for the study. Yeah, uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes too, um, for those of you that are driving around and, and, and whatnot. But the, uh, I think that idea is just so huge about you know, it's not my environment. And when you, but, but depending on how you ask yourself the question determines whether or not you come up with an answer that blames something external that you don't have control over, over, or is it something really internal and something that you can actually do something about? Um, and I like what you said where people don't quit because it works or people don't quit because it doesn't work. They quit because it does work. So what you're saying there is you're saying that, 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 having to reconcile that accountability, that self-accountability and having to reconcile that, that's why people stop doing it because it's its sort of uncomfortable to have to sit there for 90 days and, and admit you haven't done the thing. Exactly right. I pay a woman named Kate to call me on the phone every day. Every day she just listens to me read the questions I wrote and provide the answers I wrote every day. Somebody said, why do you pay a woman to call you? Don't you know the theory about how to change behavior? I wrote the theory about how to change behavior pay the woman to call me because uh, my name is Marshall Goldsmith. I'm the world's number one ranked executive coach. I pay a woman to call me every day. She listens to me read questions I wrote and provide answers I wrote every day. Why do I do this? Because I'm too cowardly to do this by myself and too undisciplined to do this by myself. I need help. It's okay. See, once we get over that macho willpower, I can do it on my own nonsense. We all need help. It's okay. 
My book triggers one thing I'm very proud of. 27 major CEOs endorsed that book. These included CEO of the year in the United States, guy who was ranked number three greatest leader in the world, winner of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, CEO of Pfizer, CEO of Best Buy, CEO of Target, President of the World Bank, on and on and on. Why am I so proud of that? 30 years ago, no CEO would admit to have an executive coach. Hmm. They would have been ashamed to say, I need help. Today, these are all a bunch of great leaders who stand up on a regular basis and say, I need help and it's okay. Hmm. Yeah, that is a big that is a big shift. Um, I do have one more question for you right now, Marshall. But before that, where do you want people to go to, to connect with you? You mentioned your email. Uh, obviously, the book triggers they can get anywhere. But where would you where would you point people to? Uh, the other thing is a couple, a couple things. One, my website www.mynamemarshallgoldsmith.com. On LinkedIn, I have about five hundred and forty thousand followers. So if anybody would like to click on on LinkedIn, I've got one hundred and forty. Uh, blogs and on on LinkedIn, on YouTube. I've got, you know, hundreds of videos on YouTube. I give away all my material. Oh, oh, by the way, one other thing I am doing, I went to a program called Design the, I went to a program called Design the Life That You Love. It was uh, put on by a good friend of mine, Aisha Bursell. And she asked us to make a list of who your heroes are. So I wrote down my heroes. And then she said, well, why are they your heroes? Well, because, you know, they're incredibly generous people who are teachers. And then she said, well, why don't you be more like them? Hmm. I decided to adopt 15 people, teach them everything I know for free. And the only payback was when they got old or pay it forward, they had to commit to do the same thing. I made a little selfie video about this, put it on LinkedIn. It was the most widely viewed video in the history of LinkedIn. 12,000 people applied. So I now have... um, 25 I've selected, I ex- decide to expand this to 100. If anybody's interested, just send me an email and say, you know, 100 coaches and just need your bio, why I should select you, and uh, how you're going to pay it forward when you get old to help other people. Hmm. What a cool idea. Uh, I'm making a note. Um, so I think, uh, wow, what a, what a cool, what a cool opportunity. Um, so the last thing I wanted to ask you here is, uh, the difference between self-discipline and self-control and, uh, what, what, what are the differences or are they the same thing? And how, how do you think people can take action on, on them in, in their life? Well, one is what I do and the other is kind of what I don't do. And I think it's very important to look at both. For example, uh, what I do could be something like I have the discipline on a regular basis to say something nice to someone. Uh, What I don't do is I don't lose control when I speak. Uh, My good friend Francis Hesselbein said, you know, why should I be entrusted to control someone else if I can't even control myself? One of my daily questions, do I avoid speaking when angry or out of control? So I think both are very, very important. And as we journey through life, very important, before I speak again, breathe. Am I willing at this time to make the effort required to make a positive, or the investment required to make a positive difference on this topic? If the answer is yes, do it. If the answer is no, let it go. We waste so much of our lives dealing with issues that we're not going to change anyway. I mean, I have a home in New York. One of my neighbors from my condominium was a young woman named Lindsay Lohan. Hmm. You, you know who she is, right? Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. 
How many millions of hours are wasted around the world? People reading Lindsay Lohan got drunk, Lindsay Lohan got stoned, Lindsay Lohan was in a car wreck. Well, you know, when people talk about Lindsay Lohan, I always say one thing. If you ever think Lindsay Lohan is a loser, she is not wasting her life reading about you. Well, you know, learning point, live your own life. <laughs> you have a great life, you know, don't live Lindsay Lohan's life or some movie star or some celebrity or some politician. Live your own life. Live your own life. Wow. Uh, there it is, my friends. Uh, so we'll put a link to marshallgoldsmith.com and uh, you can send an email to Marshall. Uh, and Marshall, thank you so much for your work and just for your incredible clarity and insight into the psyche of what enables people to really take action and make change in their life. Thank you. Such an important topic there, I think, talking about how do we, how do we actually create change? How do we actually get ourselves to follow through on the goals that we set and creating this transformation in our life. And what a great opportunity to learn from one of the, one of the, you know, biggest minds in the world today in Marshall Goldsmith. I wanted to highlight some of the things both from the interview and from going through the whole, you know, like all of his work personally myself and talk about how to make change and put together a little punch list here of seven kind of seven steps or the seven parts of the process to actually creating lasting change in your life. And I wanted to start by highlighting the difference between self-discipline and self-control because we touched on that a little bit. And I, it was insightful for me to go back and listen to his, his take on it. But basically, you know, self-discipline is doing the things you know you should be doing even when you don't feel like doing them. Self-control is not doing the things that you know you shouldn't be doing even when you do feel like doing them. And I think it's like they're, they're cousins. They're two sides of the same coin. You might even say they're, they're brothers, but they're, they're connected because they're both, they're both the tools or the expressions of self-mastery. And if you can develop a mastery over oneself, if you can develop a mastery over your emotions, then you have created the power in your life to do anything. You really have. And so that is a, it's a worthwhile exploration and discussion. Obviously, it's a passion of mine. It's something I've spent a large part of my career studying and our team at Southwestern Consulting talking about. And so these are just seven things as I was reflecting on what, I learned from Marshall that if you're wanting to create some change in your life, I think you have to go through these seven steps, these this these seven stages almost, if you will. So number one is decide why you really want to change. And, and that might sound so simple, but you have to actually decide why you want to change. Step two is decide that you're going to change. And I want to talk about these together because I think people overlook that, right? Like so many times we'll make a resolution or we'll set a goal because someone asks us to, or maybe we're given one by our boss or our employer, or or we just, we put these things out there because we sort of think that we should, right? Like our doctor says, oh, you need to lose weight or our spouse, or we say, gosh, I'd really like to be debt-free, just kind of like tongue-in-cheek. We throw these things out there. 
but we haven't actually resolved in our mind to make the change. We haven't actually grappled with the significance of transforming something in our life. We're doing it because we think we're supposed to. We do it because we're told to. We do it maybe where we say we're going to do it because maybe the people around us are doing it. But we haven't actually sat down and prayed about it and thought about it and decided and said, you know what? Like, damn it. I am done with this, the way that I'm doing things. I need to change. I am going to do something different. And I actually think that's that's really like 90% of the battle is, is you coming to grips in your own head, your own mind, your own heart, your own decision that you are going to change, that you're going to transform some part of your life. And if you don't do that first then you never have any hope, really, of creating lasting change. It's like you have to come to the point of that decision where you're so frustrated, you're so fed up, and you're just going to do it. And Marshall said something to me afterwards. He said, you always have to be careful. Don't get lost in comfort. Don't get lost in comfortable. And so before you can make a change, you got to make that decision like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm done with comfortable. I am looking for something better. And then you actually make the decision that you're going to before you start doing the work. You actually resolve that in your mind. Uh, step three is I think a lot of what he talked about is setting up your environment for success. That's what step three is. You have to set up your environment for success. This whole idea of a trigger is so fascinating, right? Because you go... Yeah, if you're trying to stop drinking, you probably shouldn't meet your friends at the bar. You probably shouldn't have alcohol in the house. You probably shouldn't go places where you're tempted to drink. If you're trying to cut sugar out of your life, right? You 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 probably need to, you know, take sugar out of the house. You probably need to stay away from the ice cream shop. Like you you need to be resolute and strong and convicted. And part of the way you do that is you're setting your environment up for success. I loved the thing that he said that our environments are often willpower reduction machines. Our environments are often willpower reduction machines. And I think that is one of the challenges for people working out of their house. And all of our consultants all work out of their house. And uh, most days I work out of my house if I'm not on the road. And and so in some ways, it is a, a challenging environment because there's all these triggers, right? You walk down to get something to eat and you go, oh, I need to put the dishes away or I need to do the laundry or I have to stop to do this or that. And it's so easy to get pulled in distraction. You have to do everything you can to minimize the things in your environment that are going are gonna to get you off track. Um, and sometimes I think that means mini- minimizing your exposure to certain people. Like sometimes it's it's people that are triggers that cause you to act a certain way, right? It's like you're always polite, you're always respectful until you hang around this group of people, and then suddenly you you turn into this like barbarian, or you, you're you're always you're always mindful and considerate and and yet when you do this certain thing then it all changes 
And I th- so I think that's powerful. And he really lays out a compelling argument in the book to how much those circumstances do influence who we are. And of course, part of the mental toughness is rising above our circumstances. But at the same time, part of the intelligent common sense of piece of all of this is control your environment to the extent that you can like ship and shape your circumstances to be that way. And number four, focus on daily activities, not long-term results. Focus on daily activities, not long-term results, right? I think this is one of the biggest mistakes that people make, and it happens all the time, right? All the time is people will say things like, like, I want to lose weight. To me, that isn't what you should focus on, right? Like that losing weight is a result, is a byproduct of something else, right? It's like, you don't just lose weight. What you do is there's behaviors that cause you to lose weight, and so what you want to be focused on is not, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds. When you think about, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds, that's just like this pressure of this thing you have to do and it maybe is overwhelming or it's big or you don't even know how. What you want to do is focus on saying, okay, today, like, I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to drink carbonation. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat vegetables, right? Like those are things that you can control. Um, if you've been listening for a while, you know that my fitness, uh, pattern and routine or my, not my fitness, my diet routine for like the last four or five years is very simple. I just, I call it not bad and it's in B-A-D-D, bread, alcohol, dairy, dessert. And so every day I get a point for if I don't eat bread uh, or, and that includes things like chips and stuff. uh, If I don't drink alcohol, if I don't have any type of dairy and if I don't have any dessert or sugar. And so um, those are four points. I also get a fifth point for working out, which I'll talk about in a second. But uh, those are daily activities, right? I never focus on, oh, I'm going to lose weight. I'm focusing on, in, in those instances, those four points of the, the not bad plan, those are self-control elements, things I'm not going to do. And I get a point for each of those. And then the working out thing is the point that I get. That's the self-discipline element. And... But, but those are activities that you can control and put your energy and your time and your focus and your self-esteem into, did I do those things, not did I lose weight, right? Because if you think you're starving yourself and you think you're sacrificing and you get to the end of the week and you find that you gained a pound and that happens sometimes, right? And you go, how does that happen? Well, because there's water weight and there's all sorts of things that factor into it. You, you're totally, your self-esteem is an emotional roller coaster. You're always up and down and up and down through things that you don't really have control over. So focus on the daily activities. Be mindful about the activities you're doing or not doing don't worry about the results. Let the results be a byproduct, right? And I'm not saying you, you, you shouldn't be a results-oriented person. Like, I'm just saying on a day-to-day basis, that's not what you focus on, right? We never focus on, uh, like, we gotta, we're gonna, this is going to be our revenue target for the year. No, we focus on how many calls can I make today? How many referrals can I get today? How many hours can I set aside for prospecting or new business? Those are things that we focus on. I do think about these goals that I have, but you have to boil them down to the controllables. So very connected to that is number five is you keep score. Keep score. 
you keep score of those daily activities. They kind of go hand in hand. If you're in coaching with us, you know we talk about CSFs, your critical success factors. And one of the reasons why we create such great results for our clients is exactly what Marshall talked about, right? He pays somebody to hold them accountable. You got literally the number one thinker in the world, according to several media publications, who pays somebody. The number one executive coach, according to these major publications, and he pays to have the accountability, because it works. And so that's what we do, okay? Uh, We don't coach executives like uh, Marshall does so much. I mean, we do, but mostly we coach salespeople and sales leaders and owners specifically on sales functions. Um, So it's it's, it's quite a different space than the kind of strategic kind of stuff that Marshall's doing. But the, the, the concept is the same of accountability. And I loved his idea about daily questions and those active questions, and asking the questions in a way that puts the onus in, in the control on me rather than my external environment. It's not, am I happy at my job, right? Like that means, is my job making me happy? It's, it's am I doing my best to stay positive every day? right? That's a totally different question. That's one that I'm in control of. That's one that is about my focus, my intention. And I just I think that's just key. And I, I loved the research that he shared on on asking those active, active questions. So you want to keep score, measure it. You know, my little not bad system that I I gave you, that's what I actually do in real life every day is I, you know, I get up to five points every single day. Um, Number six is to get accountability. And you see how all of these connect, right? They kind of go together. And that's, that's because... It, it works together. It's like a system that works. These, this is sort of the seven, seven systems or seven steps of, you know, self-discipline and creating change, but you have to have accountability. You have to have reinforcement, right? Um, and whether you're Marshall Goldsmith and you're quote unquote, the number one you know, business thinker in the world, or you're in sales, you need to get a coach, um, if you, you, you can't do that or you can't afford that or whatever, you have to get accountability if you want to create this sort of lasting change. And, um, of course we'd love to partner with you if it can make sense. Uh, but if it's not us, get somebody that you're, you're checking in with on a regular basis. And then number seven, um, this is a big one. And I save this for last because I think this is a part truly of my personal philosophy is embrace consistency over intensity. Embrace consistency over intensity. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be intense. I'm all about intense. I think I'm very intense and I go through very intense seasons, but consistency ultimately is what I'm after, right? And my when it came to my physical routine, you know, part of what changed my life was not working out an hour at a time or two hours or, or anything like that it was working out every single day for short increments. And the, in, um, you know, I say at the end of every show, success is never owned. It's rented and the rent is due every day. Well, when it came to my fitness in January 1st, 2015, I decided to literally take my own advice. Okay. It wasn't like I had been slacking. Um, several years ago, I was, I was more like 45 or 50 pounds overweight, but, um, the last couple of years, I've really gotten into better, you know, really, really good shape. And that's because I work out every single day, but I only work out 15 or 20 minutes. Right. And it's, it's every day it's consistency. 
Like life is a marathon. Greatness is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Now you can accomplish great things in a sprint, but you can't just sprint all the time. Like you'll burn out and you'll be, you know, that's what happens to the Lindsay Lohans to use, to use Marshall's, uh, you know, kind of anecdote. His neighbor there is like you go, people go through these intense highs, these intense booms. And then there's often, they're often accompanied by these intense crashes. But greatness happens over time. And it's about consistent habits, daily habits, uh, repetitive routines, and consistency wins. It's the turtle versus the hare, my friends. That old childhood story is the turtle always wins. It's just about consistency. So if you can do those seven things, you, you, can, you can make the change in your life. And I know that when we talk about self-discipline and self-control, and we talk about making change, I, I know that when you hear those words, you probably hear, oh man, it, it seems like we're talking about sacrifice or restraint, but we're not. Self-discipline and self-control are the mechanisms, the, the mechanisms, they are the vehicles, they are the path to the life that you want, to the easier life, through doing the things you don't want to do is the shortest, most guaranteed path to getting life the way that you want to have it. And so you have to embrace that and be the buffalo and take it head on and just know that if you're willing to have self-discipline, self-discipline creates freedom. Self-control creates power. And if you can master that that one element, you know, this, if you can create self-mastery, then you really have created the power to do anything. Thanks for tuning in here every single week. We feel honored to have a chance to encourage you on that journey. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.